I'm Liam McClendon and this is Dragonheart. Well, hello and welcome to Dragonheart. I am your host today, Bill Long. We're without Che, uh, but we do have the wonderful Neil Williams and the wonderful Mark Griffiths. How are you both feeling? Um, got over last weekend's game. Yeah, it took a couple of days, a bit gutted, but didn't hurt too much because my expectations at the beginning of the season weren't that high, to be honest. It was our first season under new ownership and only half a season with the, where we could bring players in that we wanted to bring in. So, uh, you know, to be second in the league, gutted that we haven't got there. I think, you know, on the points we earned, we should have had automatic promotion, but that's not going to happen. But yeah, we move on and bring on the season beginning in August again. Yeah, and how I, about you, Mark? Well, since Monday, I've been snapping at strangers, <laughs> howling in the middle of the night like Father Finton Stack, and <laughs> and crying in the shower. So um, just, the, just normal. I'm getting on as normal, to be honest. Normal. I, so I, I guess that's because you're giving it to us for a couple of months, Mark. That's what that is. Yeah, <laughs> every cloud is a silver lining, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're about to have our fun and that's all that matters, Mark. Oh! Uh, <laughs> well, said um, ping pong's empty. No. It's the only one I could think of. So we're going <laughs> to... Rather than being, this is the Father Ted podcast. No, this is Dragonheart. We're going to be talking. We're going to have a, a debrief on the Grimsby game. Uh, we'll we'll do a full season review in the next episode, and we'll we'll take a whole uh, episode to do that. But we're going to do a debrief on the Grimsby game. Then we're going to have some sort of initial thoughts on what the squad building is going to be like over the summer, and then we're going to take a quick look at um, uh, the Wales fixtures that are coming up uh, and how we see ourselves prospering there. So. This is Dragonheart. I'm Harry Lennon and this is Dragonheart. Well, another weekend of disappointment for the Reds. Unfortunately, as our season comes to a, a grinding halt after what can only really be described as a, a an absolute mental game, Neil. <laughs> Very mental game, wasn't it? I thought we were very nervous in the first five, ten minutes. And when I thought we were given a penalty, I thought, oh, yeah, looking looking all right. Then we seemed to control the game. But, you know, they, they scored a screamer, but he shouldn't have been allowed in. So close to the goal, nobody went to him and he had a free shot, but it was a screamer. And, you know, we've seen goals like that all season. Um, my big concern was our defending. Um, very net, whether that's, I mean... I've been, you know, thinking about is it just down to Hayden not being there? But one one defender shouldn't make that huge difference, although he's such a good good player for us. Um, and really bad decisions by the referee, I think, cost us the game. Um, but you know, we've got to move on from that. Um, I thought the crowd were quite quiet at times. I thought they'd have been up for it for the whole game to get behind the team. Um, what other else concerns me is our lack of goals from open play. A lot of our goals come from set pieces um, and we don't seem to be able to score many from open play. Um, but on the whole, as I said earlier, you know, I'm really happy with the season and how it ended. Well, not how it ended, but where we finished as a team as second in the table, giving Stockport a run for their money. But yeah, just disappointed the last three games maybe that we played, you know, that we've just fallen away and Maybe we peaked too early and just ran out of steam, but uh, we should have had a big enough squad to, to cover that. But, 
No, it wasn't three this time. Yeah, I think just just sort of picking up on your your point about the defence and Hayden, you know these these lads have done well in other games this season, um, particularly the Stockport game where okay we were a bit nervy for the first twenty minutes of that game maybe, but we ended up going on to to win that in pretty emphatic fashion, and, and the defence did their job for the the rest of the seventy minutes of, the, of that match. Well, the whole ninety really, because you you know we didn't concede during those difficult periods. So yeah, I think it was a bit disappointing. Nerves seem to get to it. I wouldn't necessarily hang one player out to dry, but I think the, the back line as a whole seemed a bit nervy at times, didn't it, Mark, really? Yeah, and I, there's a little bit of me wonders whether, you know, we, we have decent squad depth, but maybe some players are having to play at the really big matches right at the end of the season that matter the most, who are maybe the sort of players you're very comfortable getting a run of games in December when they're not such high pressure, but you, but maybe it's pushing them a bit to be lining up in massive, massive games. That that could be harsh, but we'll be recruiting in the summer, which I assume would mean it isn't an issue anymore. Um, it was one of those games, wasn't it, really? I mean, it was absolute madness. And to be fair to Grimsby, I thought they were outstanding and deserved it. And mm. although what I'd seen at Grimsby previously didn't impress me much, and I was confident going into the game, what I saw of them at Notts County did impress me, and they followed that on at the racecourse. And McAtee was, apart from that wonderful goal, was was outstanding. I thought, even though he was carrying an injury, and they had to bring him off uh, for the extra time, but he was he was utterly brilliant. I thought, and, and tormented us. And there have been issues this season, simply because of the shape we play. That sometimes you can get in between the lines. Corey Whiteley did it well at Wembley for Bromley. And he did it really well for Grimsby as well. Uh, I'm not pointing a finger at Parkinson there because every formation has gaps. Every formation has areas that you know you can try to exploit, and some teams have managed to exploit that. But, but do you think yeah. you should be marking him a bit better? Um, I mean, I think as you say, the goal he scored, maybe if you get right in his face, he doesn't have the chance to do it. Although I think he shifts it quite quickly to his right and then hooks it. Um, I think I think it's ultimately great play, but maybe that there's an element of if you really close him down quickly, he, he can't get that shot off. Yeah, I think it's just that he's intelligent and he drifts around and he looks for spaces. And I, I don't, I wouldn't. Man marking is not what we do, and I think there's a real danger with a player like that that he, if someone tries to pick him up permanently and he drags him away, then there's a big hole somewhere. Um, so I think it's more about just making sure that people know their jobs in terms of who's picking up whom. But you see, the thing is, I was thinking about it before the game, what I'd seen of Grimsby on the Monday and what I know of us and felt that it was crucial. I mean, obviously it's crucial that you get in the front foot against them because if you're forcing McAtee and Souza and Clifton, who I think is another very good player with an excellent second half, if you're forcing them to go deep, then you're isolating Taylor, who I think is a very good target man. He's really good at holding the ball up. He can pass it as well as when headers. And he brings that second line in really well. And if you can create a distance between them, because we are putting them under pressure, they've got a big problem. So I think part of our way to deal with him was to force him to try and dominate the game and force him to be very deep. Nothing in the game at the race course early this season. But, yeah, when you're dropping off deep, 
you need to know who's going to be passed on, you know, who's passing on, who's passing him on to you, if you like. Yeah, my feeling was, you know, when we've been pressing the opposition very quickly, we've done really well in games. Yeah. Forcing lots of errors, and we didn't seem to do that on, on Saturday against Grimsby. We allowed, and we didn't do it against Bromley either. We allowed them to play and give them the, the space to play and to move the ball about quickly. Um, where, you know, Stockport, we closed them down very, very quickly to give them no time on the ball and they made countless errors, you know, ball going out, misplaced passes because we kept putting the pressure on them. And that didn't happen on Saturday, which I would have thought would have been the, you know, the best tactic and, and catch them on the, on the break again. Yeah. Although I would also say that our dominant home games have tended to be when we really have steamrolled teams. Sometimes we started slowly and found a way but ultimately, we end up dominating, don't we? Um, and it, it looked yeah. like it was going to go that way. When we had that great spell in the first half, he, and let's say back them, I thought oh, this would be four-one. This. But, I was just going to say that, like Neil, Neil sort of mentioned it earlier when the penalty goes in. You, you always sort of felt like uh, that was the start of us starting to settle. Sometimes I think we need a goal to settle in, don't we? And then nerves calm a little bit. But they were really up for it. In fairness to them, they go and get that goal straight away. Uh, we'll we'll wait to speak about the ref properly in a second, but um, you know, and then and then they get that killer goal just after half time, which kind of kills any potential momentum we could have built, which we were building after even after they scored. I think we sort of dominated that sec that first half, didn't we? The second period of the first half. Um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's what I'm referring to. To be honest, Bill, exactly that. Yeah, consistently this season, we, we we've had a wobblier start, even when we're really playing well. But once we get on top of teams in the first half, we we get goals when we're on top of them. And against Grimsby, when it went to one all, we just went straight back at them. And I mean, there were a lot of factors, like you say, the referee, uh, their goalkeeper made some cracking saves. But that's the point where we break teams, isn't it? Where we break them, go ahead, and then they struggle to come back into it. But to be fair to Grimsby, I thought that from half-time onwards, um, <laughs> the very least you could say is that you, they, well, there were long passages where they were better than us and some passages were, were fairly even, but I never thought we quite got that grip on the game again. No, no. Even after scoring that third goal, I did think we are going to have to score a fourth for you to, to seal the deal. And and they went and got the fourth, didn't they? You know, they went and did that before as ah, mental game. I mean... It's weird, like from a from a footballing point of view. I didn't, I wasn't massively disappointed coming away from that. I was really, really sort of very annoyed about the Bromley game in a lot of ways. I just felt like we didn't show up completely. Um, there's there's a lot of valid reasons, you know. We we talked about it once we when we debriefed Bromley last week, and I think after a bit of time to think about it, I did calm down. But immediately after the game, I was very annoyed. But this week, I wasn't. Thought, oh, well, we did. There's clearly some tired legs there, you know. Like like's been mentioned, we we ran out of steam towards the back end of the season, and it was it's just I don't think that was a, the best illustration of us as a team. But at the end of the day, they still shown up. They score four goals. How many teams are going to score four goals in a, in a playoff and not be the ones that qualify? It's just one of those sort of days, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, a bit like the Dover game, but where we came back from, you know, <laughs> five two down, but uh, it wasn't to be this time, you know. We kept pulling Good guys didn't win, did they? Nah. <laughs> no. An interesting game on Sunday, though, between Solihull, which I'm sure they'll dominate, and I think they'll go up. Come on, Grimsby. Come on, boys. You can well, do it. 
Well, you know what? I, I did sort of, I, I've been thinking for a while there's going to be a surprise package this year and I hope Grimsby don't run out of steam because I'd really like to see them go and do it. Uh, cracking set of fans, um, you know, cracking club. They don't deserve to be at this level just as much as we don't deserve to be at this level. And that's no disrespect to Solihull Moors because you deserve to be where you are on, on football in terms of whoever goes up, obviously deserves to get promoted. But in terms of fan base and, and the size of the club, Grimsby should be nowhere near uh, the National League, really. Um, should, we, should we talk about the white elephant in the room or the the white elephant dressed all in black in the room, the referee, Neil, oh. what were your thoughts? Thoughts? Well, even, you know, the first offence he did, well, the first fence that he, he just put to, put to one side when, you know, when their keeper take, took out our player and flattened him, I thought he was out for the count. Even the Grimsby commentate the next to us when he saw we saw the replay said that's the send off offence. He didn't. He made no play for the ball whatsoever and just wiped Hazana out completely. How the referee? Any referee would not give a penalty for that. I will never know. And then another offence on on Jordan Davis, where Jordan this is I think there's this later in the game where Jordan passed Pearson and Pearson, Pearson took his legs away from him in the penalty again. Any other game that's a penalty. Um, how somebody of that standard is refereeing a game of that importance, I don't know. You know, it should have been somebody brought in from at least two levels higher than the National League, maybe League yeah. One or at the yeah. best championship, you know? You know, they haven't refereed games of that importance before and uh, he made some really, really bad decisions. I mean, I'm sure he'll go away and, and maybe see the replays or, and, and get his report from the referee, whoever monitor and say, yeah, I did make a mess up there, you know, and should have awarded two penalties, but you know, that's gone now, you know, the, you know he, he's no Wrexham fan, so he's not worried about the decision he made, it just affects our players <laughs> and our fans, so but at the end of the day, he's gone back to his normal job and and doing what he normally does and, and he'll be back again next season. Uh, I've, got, I've got to say before, be before fan, Mark goes on. Well, yeah. <laughs> before Mark, Mark, Mark gives his piece because I'm sure he's got plenty to say. I, I will, I will say that I think the um, assistant referee sold him down the river a couple of times during that game, and we're very quick to jump on on uh, referees, but usually it's the match, match officiating team as a whole. There was a few times that those linesmen did not want to put their flag up and be counted. And in, in particular, one moment when there was a throw-in and Jordan Davis was given for offside. I mean, come on. <laughs> what, that's, that's like... Oh, yeah. My my, fo my four-year-old nephew could tell you that wasn't offside. He knows the rules. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. And the linesman's put his flag up. So the referee's trusting the linesman and he's blown the whistle. He's probably thinking there's been a touch of the ball there that I've not noticed or something. I've got to put... The flag's gone up and blown the whistle. And you could they sort of see when the players were going over to the ref, he was just kind of like, he didn't really quite shrug his shoulders, but you could see from his body language, he was a bit like, oh, no, come on, play on, let's, let's move on. Poor, they poor officiating all round. Awful. I mean, when French was injured and their player got a yellow card, he had an elbow in his face, he had treatment, the player got a yellow card and he had to go and stand on the sidelines. He just did not know the rules. <laughs> this is my opening gambit, that the throw-in with your side and not being allowed back on the pitch when the bloke who injured you was booked. 
um, you called him the elephant in the room, but elephants never forget, and this guy couldn't even remember the rules. So <laughs> I think your elephant analogy is, is, is harsh on elephants, I've got to say. Um, I, I would rather have had an elephant in charge of that match in that I assume the elephant would have to make random decisions, and I think, frankly, that's what that bloke did. Um, I think he was influenced by all sorts of outside factors and certainly not by being a Wrexham fan. Um, he was guessing so much. I mean, let's be honest, the guy was incompetent rather than biased because Paul Mullen scored with his hand. Um, I admit that. I didn't spot that at the time. I mean, my attitude, if I'm honest with you, right, I, I, I tend to get a bit, when I'm commentating, I'll sort of moan about refs a bit more than I mean to because I do know it's a tough job. I genuinely feel that there's a difference between an error of judgment and that those sorts of lapses of the rules. But having said that, I, I, I tried to keep in mind, if I didn't spot it at the time, then it's fair enough the ref didn't spot it. I know he's got a better view than me. I know he's closer than me. But have I got the right to really bone if I didn't see it at the time? So with that context, the challenge on Hosanna, <laughs> how do you miss that? I mean, that's a hmm. Tony Schumacher um, he just he just jumped through him. It's a penalty. It's a red card. There's there's no other interpretation. And I can only think. I was watching when I watched Grimsby's game at Notts County. I was watching how Luke at Waterfall was. Oh, really? I mean, I'm not knocking him for this. He was the sort of player who was every time anything's given, he's in the rest face all the time, all the time, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And he gives away the penalty. And the penalty is debatable. I think it's a penalty. The one Mullen gets. But it's debatable. He gives it. Wars falls in his face straight away. The rest of the two players are in his face. And now he's getting that normal referee conditioning of, well, I've given them one penalty now. I don't want to give him another. And then Bryce Susanna gets utterly wiped out. And the referee, rather than thinking, when a goalkeeper forearm smashes a player who's about to score, I'm, it's obvious what I have to do. Instead, he thinks, oh, imagine how bad it's going to be for me when I give this one. So he chickens out. And let's not forget, their sub-keeper was Sean Pearson. He would have gone in goal because they had no keeper on the bench and he was their designated backup. The game's over then when he gives that. Um, it's just an appalling decision. And he appeared to knock him out. I mean, if nothing else, ref, can't you just notice, well, that looks hurt. <laughs> Something's happened to him. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I'm astounded by that. I'm really astounded by it. And then the no, second penalty as well. Away. See him? The linesman wasn't too yeah. far away either. Yeah, yeah. Why are the linesman flagging furiously? And then it's the same ends, the one on Davis. And again, in the commentary, you'll vouch for me here, Neil. I called it as a penalty straight away because it was blatant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he did as a downturn. He, he deceived Pearson. Pearson went to play where he thought the ball was, but Davis had been too quick for him. And he took his standing leg off him. He probably, that's that ref would probably have booked Pearson if he did that on the halfway line. But because it's in the box, he thinks, ooh, it's a playoff now. It's extra time now. I don't want to be in the headlines. Well, mate, you're in the headlines because you wouldn't make the decision. And then Mullen's handball, like you say. The French, the booking of Taylor on French was a strange one. I mean, I think if you watch that game with the yellow cards edited out and then were asked to guess which team got more yellow cards, you'd say Grimsby. But Wrexham got more yellow cards than Grimsby in that game. And Grimsby were very physical. And, and again, I've got to say, I, I genuinely have no side groups for Grimsby. I thought the Wrexham deserved it. Um, but they were very physical. 
but especially in that 30-minute golden period at the start where referees ignore the rules and just say, oh, go on, have, have some free hits. And, and for what it's worth, I felt that Taylor's first challenge on French was yellow cards. But the referee, of yeah. course, says, oh, it's only 10 minutes in. Oh, just you can just have that as a softener. And then the second one, I don't think is a yellow card. I think it's a silly thing to do. There's a ball in the air and Taylor doesn't jump for it, but sticks his hand up and sort of just puts his hand in French's face. It's a stupid foul, especially when you've been warned, but it's not a yellow. And I, um, So even things like that, it, it was the wrong way around. Uh, I just, he was awful. And as um, Phil Parkinson said, we had him at Dagenham. You can't believe he wasn't happy about him. He complained about him. And then we've got him again, what, three weeks later? Two weeks later, rather. He couldn't believe it. I mean, the lack of professionalism from from whoever makes the decisions on who refs who is astounding there because if a, if a manager's complained about a referee, rightly or wrongly, they, they shouldn't be in line. It's just, there's, a, there's a potential flashpoint there, isn't there? And then... He, did he did he give Phil Parkinson a yellow card at some point during the match as well? If I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah. So he will have heard that there's been a complaint put in. Is, I don't know. Is, I don't know. Like we've talked about this before, haven't we? Like the, the, the mechanism for complaining is sort of doesn't get used very much. We have said this, haven't we? I think because it's probably giving, yeah. It's about giving marks. Managers are going to give marks out of hundreds to a referee after the match. If you get under 40, it's all different categories. Uh, if you give above 40, there's no official mechanism of complaint. It's just logged. And all the refs, all the managers got to do is tell the club secretary some numbers. But if it goes below 40, then it triggers a mechanism and the manager's got to fill in lots of paperwork. Right. The managers tend to not mark them as low as they want to because they don't like paperwork. So I'm not saying there's an official complaint. I'm saying that he complained about it. Okay. But um, even that in itself will have gotten back to to him, wouldn't yeah. it? You know, they've they, in the in the refs' locker rooms. I'm sure they'll be talking about, oh, did you see that uh, Phil Parkinson last week was complaining about you? You know, it, it's I'm not I'm not saying he had an agenda. Don't get me wrong, I don't think he had an agenda because I'm sure if we were list if we were the the grim the fishing heart uh, podcast instead of the <laughs> dragon heart podcast, you know, and we were talking about the the, the Grimsby point of view, they could probably pick pick out five, six, seven, or eight. Mistakes yeah. that he made in Wrexham's favour. It wasn't biased, like you said. It was just awful. Well, I heard that um, Paul Hurst's interview after the match, one of the first questions he was asked was, the referee didn't give us much. And my jaw dropped. But then actually, I actually, when I thought about it, thought that I think we got the worst end of it. But the fact is, they contested the penalty. Mullen scored of his hands. Some major calls went against them as well. It was just that the referee... <laughs> well... He just got so much wrong, didn't he? Really, let's be honest. It was the exceptionally poor performance by him. That, that, that's the bottom line, isn't it? But if, if he's made a complaint about the referee or, or hadn't, you know, surely when Parkinson knew the referee, who the referee was going to be, and I'm sure that would be in advance, I don't know, would he have not been able to say anything then? Well, that was interesting, because if you see the, the press conference, that is the follow-up question when he said, I wasn't happy about the referee. Um, that was the press conference, the BBC Wales interview with him. Um, I mean, the thing is, he can complain. They're not going to do anything about it. Uh, and on a, on a 
on a realistic level, let's be honest, it should be like that, shouldn't it, really? He shouldn't have, you know, Josie Marino doesn't like this referee, so whenever you get him, he moans about him, and he never, and then they don't give him it. That, you know, that's, uh, you know, that, that's, you're opening the door to corruption possibly there, aren't you, really? Or favouritism. So they, 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 he would definitely get nowhere if he complained. And nine times out of ten, I'd say that's fair enough. But I think the grounds of his complaint really is that we had him a fortnight ago. And you know, referee shouldn't come back around so quickly, if you will. You know, the, the roars are still are still healing from what he did to us last time. Yeah, because there's plenty, you know, plenty of referees available, I'm sure, because yeah. there's no other games going on really. So even up to the championship. So it, why they couldn't have chosen the highest standard referee is is beyond me. And whether they do the same for the final on Sunday, I don't know. They choose a, a National League referee for that as well. I think they've got to pick a random celebrity. <laughs> Get a lot of, uh, you know, they'll get a lot of uh, positive stuff on social media. They want the big. <laughs> Couldn't do any worse, could he? Anyway, so I think I think that sort of wraps up our thoughts on the Grimsby game, guys. You got anything you'd like to add to that that we've maybe missed out, or are we ready to move on? I only yeah. to say that I actually, I'm actually fairly upbeat, and I feel bad saying that, but. I just feel logically, I've been saying it all season, our squad's the best in the division. The only reason we not won the league is because we couldn't, weren't allowed to get it together till January properly. We will reinforce it with quality in the summer. And I think we'll win the league comfortably. And I'm not someone who acts like that normally. I'm very wary with being optimistic. But I think uh, you'll have noticed I've been very optimistic this season because logic dictates we're getting out of this league quickly. And I think next season, the big consolation I felt was I think next season is going to be a hell of a ride. You know, we're going to be battering teams. It's going to be great fun. So much as I'm disappointed we didn't get up now, and I am massively disappointed we didn't get up this season, I don't think we'll have to worry about the playoffs next year. I think we'd be walloping it. That's my sentiments exactly, Mark. I mean, summer you'll strengthen the squad with two or three key more players, quality players. Um, uh, as you, you know, I, I'm not feeling downbeat. I'm, I'm upbeat like yourself, and I think you know we've got a good season ahead of us come August, and and we will run away with the league this season. I mean, <laughs> hope that doesn't turn around and bite us in the backside, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you know because we'll have a full strength squad from the beginning of the season. You know, we should start the season running, and unlike last season where we we stuttered a lot at the beginning of the season and, and played some quite poor football at times. Uh, straight 1-0 wins and, uh, you know, it wasn't very, very pretty football to watch either. You know, maybe if Mullen hadn't been sent off from missed six game, games, that may have made a difference as well. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think we're going to have a, a great season ahead coming, you know, 22-23 is going to be a, a wonderful season for Wrexham. And let's not forget that as well as Mullen having those suspensions, he also had that injury problem through the middle of the season as well, which genuinely hindered him. So, you know, when you consider the terrific amount of goals he scores, goodness me, if, he, if he'd actually been able to put in a full season, we'd have been really looking at something, wouldn't we? So, yeah. Well, speaking of squads and missing parts of the season, I think uh, that's a good time for us to move on. I'm Jake Hyde and this is Dragonheart. Well, and... Uh, Unfortunate for us to not go through to the playoff final, but as Grimsby were able to do so, uh, they were a little bit unlucky in terms of the the ticket prices, Mark, weren't they? And I think, you know, 
in fairness to Grimsby as a club, uh, the Mariners Trust organise uh, a fundraiser to try and help those who were less fortunate get to the games. Uh, luckily, Mark was able to speak to somebody from the Mariners Trust who, who uh, talked about how that happened. Hi guys, I'm Dominic Bowes and uh, this is Dragonheart. As Bill says, we're lucky enough to be joined by Christine Green from the uh, Mariners Trust. Well, firstly, through gritted teeth, congratulations on winning an unbelievable football match. Yeah, I, I don't think any of us that were there, anybody who watched it could uh, quite get to grips. On, I think trying to make sense of that is is going to be a waste of anybody's time. So, yeah, unbelievable game to be to, to have viewed. And, I mean, it, it's, well, we know because of our doomed pursuits of promotion, it's a wonderful thing to be, what, 90 minutes away from going up. But, I mean, I guess the news has to be partly soured when you, you then hear the, the astonishing news of the prices that are going to be charged at London Stadium. Mm. It's not just the prices, it's the, the lack of concessions. Mm. Um, so when it, when, it, when it sort of all started on Monday... Um, the lower the lower tier had concessions, no no concessions in the upper tier. We sold out the lower tier, the seats that were available, bearing in mind a lot of seats have been taken out already. So what was available was sold out within a couple of hours. So before general sale, there were no concessions. Um, so that was probably no concessions for OAPs. I mean, it, it, credit to the league and in sort of saying, look, we, we've gone to them, our chief executive has gone to them and gone, look, we're not on general sale yet and we've got a lot of tickets still to sell and everybody's going to pay £48 for a child. That's not right. So within an hour, though, they've got that action, which is great, but it's still left us with an awful lot of work to do because in that time, about 300 orders have gone through where people are just desperate. As, as you guys will know, if, you, if your team is playing, you need to be there. By hook or by crook and however you get in there, you need to be there. So about 300 orders have gone through with children on for £48. Um so it's it's just it's disappointing. Hopefully, obviously, the league sent out a statement yesterday saying that they're they're listening to fans. Um, so it'll be nice to see some action points of what the sort of for consideration and a little bit more fan engagement and fan involvement for for next year's final. Could do absolutely nothing about Sunday, but let's look at next year. And, and we've offered as a trust whether we're in this league next year or not. We've got experience in in dealing with engagement like that. We're happy to help in any which way we can. I mean, I, I, I don't sound cynical, but I am cynical. It's, it worries me that organisations often say, well, we'll have to start listening. As a, You know, I mean, uh, you, you want to see some action from it. I mean, I guess that's why we've been looking at having an independent regulator, because oh, this sort of thing just, just feels deeply wrong to me. Mm, it feels frustrating. And, and, and from a fan's point of view, fans feel a little bit sort of powerless. Mm. Um, and ultimately, people know that you, we're going to complain and men about the prices, but you don't pay, you don't go. And that's the sort of situation we're in right at this moment. So nothing we can do as a trust we've looked at. I think we're running, we're just on with it now. I'm just in the bunker in one of the classrooms mm -hmm. trying to sort stuff out. But um, I think we've got five coaches, over 200 tickets we've sorted out. That's before next week, the 300-odd refunds that we've got to sort out as an independent voluntary supporters trust. Um, it's an incredible workload that, that we're doing, but fans, you know, Rex and fans have been absolutely incredible, genuinely incredible through all this as well. 
Oh, I was going to, going to say that. There is a sort of bond between Wrexham and Grimsby as, as built up during these, these non-league days. You, you came and spoiled our 150th birthday party. I know. I found the ticket from that the other day, actually. I forgot the ticket from that game. <laughs> to be fair, that Wrexham team turned out not to be as good as we thought it was going to be at the time. Um, yeah. And um, that, that was good revenge for FA Trophy final as well. Although, again... You know, it was nice after the match. You know, I stayed over the night after and it was great just to Wrexham and Grimsby fans, as they should do, mm -hmm. just all getting together and having a nice time. And then it's, 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 it makes me feel quite proud, to be honest, to see that so many Wrexham fans have decided they want to, to support you in your endeavours. Yeah, it's, I mean, we never set this up and this was not something that the Trust said, right, we need to do this. Mm -hmm. It was set up because Monday morning we got up and I had so many messages from all the little pots of people and money that would have been great but on its own would have bought a junior ticket so we need to find the adult ticket so we said look let's get you all together let's let's do one big pot and, and go from there um and when we launched it monday lunchtime i was in the the ticket office at the club shop and we said oh well if we get four or five thousand bearing in mind cost of living for everybody is you know to, to to give up a bit of money to pay for somebody else to go at the time, a Grimsby Town fan paying for another Grimsby Town fan to go, £4,000 would be incredible. We did that in an hour or two. Wow. Um, and it just and our message, our treasurer just said, look, by the way, we're doing this. There'll be a few transactions coming. They'll all be marked up. Just keep them side. OK. And he was, he was literally going in and going, I've cleared them, but there's another 60 transactions. Um, and then I don't know if it was on a Wrexham forum, because I think quite a lot of the Wrexham fans use a slightly different uh, reference number or reference code um, and from that code alone uh, we're looking at about 900 pounds that came in from yeah. from Wrexham fans highly I'm almost certain that bearing in mind that anybody that's used the code that we asked for you're looking over a thousand pounds that's coming from Wrexham fans oh that's well I mean that's, that's, it genuinely makes me proud to think yeah. of that I feel as well that it's you know when we've had our problems other football clubs Grimsby included you know other trusts rally around you know we, we were run by a trust of course until our uh, low profile takeover um and so um you know it, it's it's good to see that that all of that experience means we haven't forgotten and we want to chip back into the the wider football community because let's be honest and i think after what happened to paris on saturday I think people have kind of forgotten that we're all football fans and having that in common is much more important than petty rivalries between teams isn't it yeah, I think I think I've made it somewhere that um, and as Grimsby Town fans, we've got no, we've got stick in the press this year for, for different things. But actually, as a, as a football community, when a football community needs to mobilise itself for action, whatever action that needs to be, it will do it. Whether that's as an individual club or as a as a collective group of people from whatever club you happen to support, it will do it very, very quickly. And that's what's been shown in what we've done over the last few days. Um, Wrexham at the forefront of it all, Sheffield Wednesday, Bournemouth, Bradford, um, Notts County, they've all seen the injust of it. Um, so hopefully the, 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 the voice that it's given is, is something that will impact on what goes on next season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm ancient, as you can see, and, um, you know, I remember after Hillsborough, I, the way people talk about post-Hillsborough now confuses me because it's not my recollection at all. My mm. recollection was that football fans had a sudden wake-up call and hooliganism just sort of 
dropped like that. They took the fences out. Nobody was dreaming of going on the pitch because they've done this to protect us, getting rid of the fences. And there was an amazing sense of fans togetherness and, and a desire to work together to make things better. And it saddens me. It's really gone full circle. So things like this really encourage me because we've got our our dicey portion of fans. There's no no point in denying it. Although the, the new owners have acted quite quickly with banning orders to um to push them out of the ground actually and the atmosphere has been amazing since they've done that but um yeah it's it's just really pleasing to me to see that and, and I, you know I, I just I just hope that we can maybe make a little turning point in showing that fans have got a lot in common with each other yeah oh absolutely I think that's what it's been just been really nice that this this problem doesn't affect Wrexham fans because you know I think one of the tweets that went viral was um, you, you're the reason that I can't go, but <laughs> money shouldn't be the reason that Grimsby can't go. Yeah, and I just thought that's that's absolutely the right way. This isn't a Grimsby Solihull problem. Mm. This is a football problem. Um, so it's fantastic, and we've got to hope that this is ripe for a little bit of change. Um, and at some point, you would hope at some point in the future, whenever that's going to be, with the uh, fan-led review and the independent regulator that. Fan, that there is not going to be these issues that fans have got to take umbrage with to mobilise themselves to try and effect change that, that, that that's not going to be necessary in the first place yeah. absolutely utopia um, how, when, if that will ever happen I don't know but it, that's always got to be the, the aim hasn't it to these things that happen in the first place well just a, just a bit of consideration for you know money not being the, the be all and end all would be nice wouldn't it I mean you know the complaints that we made rather presumptuously about that game being on a Sunday, clashing with the Wales game, and and all of us saying being down in London at the end of a bank holiday weekend, and and then I listened to a price the price of football on Thursday, and they were talking about your fundraising, and saying yeah. that you could for half the money you could have gone to Wembley and watched Messi and Chiellini and Bonucci and oh, Lautaro and all those players. I mean, this is true and. I know that your game, I mean, I'm not being sarcastic, is much more important than a superstar friendly, genuinely. Mm. But nonetheless, I mean, it's a, it's a we need, something needs to be done to reset, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, absolutely. I'm going to have to do this, and I feel I feel depressed doing it, but I'm going to have to say it. That was a hell of a game on Saturday, wasn't it? Playing me now. Oh, unbelievable. Do you know, actually, we, we travelled down on the Friday... So we were out sort of Wrexham town centre the night before, really chilled. Um, the morning quite chilled. It was, it was nice in the town centre. There was some sort of blue lights parade or emergency service parade going through the town and watching that. That's just Friday and, night and after, in Wrexham. No, <laughs> no, this was Saturday morning and I, and I was right. starting hurried. I heard all these sirens and I was like, oh God, we've not started already, have we? Yeah. But it was just a parade of fire engines and the one knows what going through. But got in the ground and I was really quite calm. Yeah. Um, and I think the big thing was the penalty, which is it a penalty, is it not a penalty, but to score straight after. Yeah. You just thought, right, okay. And even when we went 3-2 down, I was quite calm mm-hmm. because if we lose, we lose to Wrexham. And, every, and no disrespect to you guys, but everybody wants you out of the league. Yeah. So... Um, it just felt like actually, if we lost, we're losing to Wrexham. So um, I was really, really calm. And then when the fifth one went in, similar to how we beat Notts County, I just turned around to my friend and we just laughed. Yeah. Genuinely, we just like, just <laughs> can't explain it. The number of headed goals in that game. Yeah. Um, 
um, um, I can't get the words to, to describe it. Will we ever get the words to describe that game? I'm not sure. Just whoever won that, whoever lost that game, um, can feel really disappointed that that they, they did. It was just such a knife edge for those, that last 15 minutes, that extra time. I've got to be honest. I mean, obviously, people are very disappointed, but there's a surprising amount of people who are really quite philosophical about it, and I'm one of them. In that, mm. I think the same, you know, the sense of well, you know, we'd wish Grimsby well if it was them. We'd rather it was you. If I'm honest with you, I feel bad saying this, but I'm going to say it. We'd rather it was you than Solly Hull or you know, Borenwood or somebody like that. To be honest, um, mm. and also. I mean, hell, spells. you were superb at not counting. I mean, absolutely superb. And then you were superb at ours. Teams have not been doing... I mean, Stockport came to us twice. I mean, better than... You know, I mm. mean, teams don't turn up at our place and do that to us, because especially at home, we're really frighteningly good. Uh, we only lost yeah. one home game all season. That's because we had a silly red card given against us after half an hour. Um, mm. But you were superb. I think for all... Yeah, I think for us, it, it's the intensity that we've played at. Because we went into that game a little bit concerned. Well, actually, we've had that intensity of, of 120 at Notts County. We were we were sort of out on our feet at Notts County. We've got to turn that around and do it all over again at Wrexham on the Saturday. So um, I was talking to a couple of the players after the game, and they said, you know, what? we actually felt better after this game than we did the Notts County game. But when you take into the fact the heat of the game, you know, the, the actual temperature, the yeah, sun was yeah. out at times and it was so hot. Mm. Um, we, we were genuinely a really fit team that try and play at that intensive tempo that you haven't got time to, to do it. And the, the, the issue with us over the last few games towards the end of the season was not starting as well as what we could have done. And we, we conceded that first goal um, and we're having to fight to come back. And more often than not, mm. we have done. Um, but these playoff games, we've been at it from the off. Yeah, absolutely from the off. Um, so it's just been a a really bizarre week or so as a football fan of Grimsby Town. I mean, looking at as well the pattern for us, like I said, our home record's crazy. Um, mm. A pretty common pattern since Christmas when we really hit our stride and well, when we completed our squad was um, we start games sometimes like that. Sometimes we'll have a, a ropey start, but once we turn it around and work the other team out, we get a goal. And then that first half is often where we steamroll the teams. And we've often, mm. but, you know, we, and like we, our best spell was the sort of the 20 minutes after McAtee's goal. And yeah. yet we didn't, we, we, you suffered, as you know, but survived. And I thought that the spirit was brilliant. Um, mm. And you sort of think, okay, this pattern's different. Normally that's the point where we've broken a team and we didn't break them. And then the second half, when we get those two quick goals and go ahead, you think, all right, this was a difficult game, but we've now got it now. We, we, you know, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're the sort of team who, who will go ahead and then get another. And as teams come at us, they leave gaps. And I mean, you see what Mullen's like. I mean, he's, he's ludicrous. Um, and mm. to come back again, and just like he did on Monday. And McAtee, what a player he is. I mean, geez, he was magnificent. I thought, you know, yeah. apart from the goal, the way he's finding space and just hurting us. Ah, and he's, sensational. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's rubbish, really. If anybody watching that, oh, yeah. terrible, <laughs> genuinely rubbish. Yeah. Um, but no, he, he's an absolute player. Absolutely loves that kind of atmosphere. Loves loves the pressure of it all. Loves the adulation as well. Um, he's just he's an exciting player. You have got no clue what he's going to do. Yeah. Um, even for his goal, you know, he's he's 
he's coming in and you'll think he's going to go far post. Yeah. He's going to curl yeah. a far post. Keep position, position himself for a far post and he's wrong-footed him. And how he's not got the back lift on that, the, the, how he's hit that shot, unbelievable. He's he, he's, a, he's a cracking player, genuinely cracking player. And we were so, asking questions as a defender, thinking, can he get that little bit closer to stop? But to be fair, when you look at it, when he shifts it, like you said, it's so instantaneous. No There's no back lift. No. He's ultra critical of the, of the lads, really. He's just, he's held it there, and McAtee's just done something mm. outstanding. Um, really wonderful. Yeah, and, and actually, to, to his game, um, obviously, he's the one, the talisman in terms of scoring goals, but he's the one that's put the cross in for Taylor to, yeah. to the defender didn't have a clue where Taylor was for that. No, no. Fourth, third, um, whichever one they won that Taylor scored. I'm trying, I'm trying to think, think about it. <laughs> I think it was a third, third Third, yes, the third one. So Taylor sort of dipped in. Defender hasn't got a clue where he is. He's put the corner in for Manny to, to get it to 4-3. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and he's not normally our set-piece set piece taker, so he's, he's he's working on his all-around game as well. He's he's a cracking lad, and he's uh, he's, he's treasured by, uh, by town fans after coming from Scunthorpe, so... <laughs> Yeah, I think Taylor's. I, I like Taylor as well. I think he's he's more than just a target man. I think he's very yeah. intelligent. And the fact that those two in Holohan, who we tried to buy earlier this season, did you? Yeah. Um, um, uh, the fact that they were carrying the injuries and then Taylor and McAtee had to go off. I must admit, at that point, I'm thinking, okay, this is rough. But I know what Paul Hurst said quite rightly that. Team won the game in Otts County with those players off the bench, mm-hmm. but you're thinking, yeah, they're right. Lightning striking twice, really? You know, I, I don't know. Um, and yeah, it did. And and credit mm-hmm. to you, Luke Waterfall, who was released by us seven years ago and shouldn't have been. It was a new no. manager coming in who was a disaster and decided to get rid of him sight unseen. Great. And then of course, Sean Pearson. I mean, you, you can't, I can't ever speak to a Grimsby fan without saying, Sean Pearson, I love Sean Pearson. Yeah, he is an absolute cracking all-round guy. Absolutely lovely. When, obviously, we I think we released Sean and obviously went over to you guys and we missed him, missed him massively. You don't just miss Sean on the pitch yeah. with his leadership and getting the fans going. The community misses Sean, whether it's the football community or the wider community outside of that. He's He gets it and he, he's not... Um, He's not a soundbite guy that's going to tell you what you think you need yeah. to hear to make him sound great. It's absolutely genuine with him. Um, we were, you know, he, he left he left here and went to you guys and we we were puzzled. Um, done fantastic for you, so to get him back. Um, not played as many, he'll say, he'll say as well, he's not played as many games as he would like. Mm-hmm. But Luke, ex-player, has done, he's, he's turned himself around in terms of where he was last season admittedly in a, in a really, really difficult situation in a relegated team, but Luke's been immense and and, and Sean gets it. Um, he's just an all-round cracking guy. Yeah, Nobody can say a bad word against him. Exactly. They'll have right. two fan bases after them, I think. You're not wrong there, absolutely. Um, I was glad to hear him get a proper reception from us. It was a bit muted compared to the, the first league game because obviously the stage yeah. high, but we love the guy. We absolutely love him. Um, yeah. Well, all I can say... And I think it's fair to say I speak for all Wrexham fans, or certainly almost all. Uh, we really hope you go up. We really wish you the best of luck on Sunday. We hope you all have a good, safe journey as well. And congratulations on the magnificent hard work that you're doing. 
done an awful lot of administrative work on behalf of the, mm. of the organisation. You should have done it, let's be honest, but you, you deserve the greatest credit for it. And we really hope that we don't play you the season after next because you'll have gone up to League One by then and we'll be in League Two. We'll that's, that's my we'll ideal say. situation. <laughs> that would be my ideal situation as well. If we've gone, if we go out and then we go straight through, but Sunday is going to be a very, very difficult game. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, no doubt about it. But, but this is the third game we go in as, as underdogs, if you like. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I do. I do respect Solihull Moors more than I've given the impression here. Um, I think they're a good team, but yeah, they are very good. You refuse to lose, and I think that's a, that's a very good quality to have. Yeah, we 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 go to the very end. We've scored so many late goals, so many ninety-plus minute goals, because we just don't give up. Um, so we'll we know if we know if we go a goal down, we've got it in us to to work at it and come back. So it'll be it'll be a good game of football, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, the best of luck. You'll have a different referee, which has got to be a good thing. We need to the random factor out of the match too. I've avoided yeah, it. <laughs> I tell you, you know, it's it's quite something when both sets of fans are, yeah. are not particularly impressed. So that's quite a an unknown to have to have both of them saying sort of similar things. So yeah, different referee. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Well, best of luck on Sunday. And I hope that I know you've been doing an incredible amount of ministry for work, like I say, and sorting buses and everything out. Um, I, I hope everything goes so smoothly for you as well. And I hope that, yeah, I hope it's a brilliant day for you all around. Yeah, we're just going to get back to sorting some more buses out now. So, yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for having me on as well. Oh, an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. This is Sean Brisley. This is Dragon Heart. Well, so enough about Wrexham. We've got some important games on our other team coming up, Wales. Uh, we've just, at the time of recording, we'll have just finished watching the Poland game and we don't quite know who our opponents are going to be for the weekend. So we'll try and have a little bit of a... We won't talk too much about it from a tactical point of view and the opponents, but we'll have a bit of a summary of, of how that's going to look. Uh, first of all, starting with the, the Poland game, uh, guys, uh, I thought we looked quite good. It was a bit of a B team that were put out, wasn't it? But it wasn't, you know, it was, a, it was a solid performance, Mark. Yeah, I think it told us nothing about Sunday, but a lot about the strength and depth of Wales at the moment, because, you know, you picked a half-strength team and made multiple substitutions in the second half and at the very least deserved a draw, I, I, I would say. I think maybe we were worth a win, to be honest. I thought it was impressive. So a lot of young lads who haven't got much experience going to a strong team in Poland and showing no fear and doing ever so well. And some players did well in the first half and are withdrawn because they may be used on Sunday. So I don't think it tells us anything about Sunday. It's good that nobody seemed to get hurt. But beyond that, it's just that, yeah, Welsh football's in pretty rude health at the moment. Uh, I was looking at it and thinking, I might be talking about Jordan Davis. We talk about you know that famous uh, Welsh one, um, Paul Mullen, and <laughs> you know the, when you look at the strength and depth they got there, you think, mm, well, maybe you can see why it's hard to break in for the Welsh squad for them. Yeah, to be honest, guys, I didn't really see a lot of the game. I saw about ten minutes when I got in between. Take the dog for a walk and everything. So I saw about 10 minutes and we were 1-0 up and then went 2-1 down. I'm assuming that was the end of the game, 2-1. Yeah. And what I could see, it was a very weakened team we put out there, which is great, you know. 
this game is not important really to us tonight. Obviously, it's more important on Sunday. Um, we don't have the dilemma now of missing that game on Sunday because we don't have a game with Wrexham on Sunday. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see who comes through the, the semi-final leg tonight between uh, Scotland and Ukraine. Um, I'd like to see Ukraine, but I think Scotland are a very strong team at the moment. And uh, I think being at home, they'll win it. And that's who we'll be playing on uh, next weekend, next Sunday. I think um, that means to see whether any players might have forced their way in. I assume that um, Rob Page knows what he's liable to do on Sunday already. That's what he's based his selection today on. But uh, you just look at players like, I don't know, I mean, I suppose Nico Williams, I would assume, would be in that starting lineup, but he looked so lively in the, in the second half. Um, I just wonder if one or two players might have just grabbed his attention a little bit and struck it with what they were capable of doing. Yeah, there are yeah, a lot of players that I didn't recognise at all. So um, he's obviously brought a lot of new players into the squad to, to give them their first cap and a taste of playing for Wales in readiness what, for what may come in the you know, next couple of years. A lot of the young players I didn't recognise. So, uh, yeah, Nicker Williams did stand out. You know, he made some fantastic runs down the wing. Um, but the referee, from what I saw, was a bit lenient on the tackles he, he, he made on the Welsh players. Um, but yeah, that's football. We all know all about that the last couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, all, all's good in Welsh football at the <laughs> oh. moment. You know, from from the Euros where we were semi finalists to where we are today for a small, small country with a you know small population. I think the, the country as a whole and the team are doing fantastically on the world rankings. Right, pop it's the quiz. golden era of Welsh football, isn't it? Sorry, it's, it's the golden era of Welsh football, isn't it, really? This, you know, I know we got into the World Cup in the past and maybe there are teams that with the current qualification formats might have gotten, might have had a better chance of getting to Euros and World Cups, etc. But it's never been a better time to be a Wales fan, is it? The fact that we're even in contention um, for for another major tournament after just off the back of being in two others is, is phenomenal, really, isn't it, Mark? Oh, absolutely. And gosh, is it time for Uncle Mark's bedtime stories? <laughs> I think it, I think it is. Uncle Griff's bedtime stories. Yeah. Well, firstly, quiz. What was the first African team to get to knockout stages in the World Cup? I'll give you one guess each. Cameroon. Incorrect. They're the third. Is it Zaire? No, they got battered by everybody. It's Wales. Because it's Wales... Oh, yeah. <laughs> 1958. Right, second quiz. How many times have Wales qualified for the World Cup? Zero. Correct. Oh, Bill's on top of this. He knows yeah. my trick questions. Yeah, Wales. <laughs> I mean, this, the story of Wales' qualification in, in 58 is deeply, deeply peculiar. Um... And so compared to that, that this rearranged uh, setup is is quite orthodox. We basically uh, didn't qualify. We came second in our group. Only the top team went through. But in those days, the good old colonial days, eh, 1958, there was only one qualifying place for Africa and Asia together. And unfortunately, it was won by Israel despite the fact that they didn't play a game because they were drawn with Turkey, Sudan and Indonesia and they just invaded Egypt and everyone refused to play them. So 
Israel qualified automatically, but FIFA had introduced a rule because it had happened quite a lot in previous years saying that you can't qualify for the World Cup if you don't play any qualifiers, unless you're the host or the holders. So they had to do something about it. And they just, they <laughs> proposed that they would play them against a team that hadn't qualified. Uruguay, Belgium and Italy all turned the, the opportunity down for reasons I, I can't quite work out. It, there seems to be at least an element of good old-fashioned 1950s gentlemanly, well, we didn't qualify, and so it would be a bad show if we actually got through. Um, and so Wales, they had a draw of all the other teams that came second in Europe. Wales won the draw, and, you know, being Welsh gentlemen, we said, oh, aye, we'll do it. Went to beat them 2 0, beat them 2 0 hours. So we were knocked out, but still qualified. And a similar thing kind of happened in the tournament itself as well, didn't it? Because we ended up drawing all our group games um, and therefore had to have a playoff of Hungary. And there we got a bit lucky. We'd already drawn with Hungary. It was just they didn't, account, they didn't take goal difference into account then. If they had, Hungary would have gone through. They'd won one, drawn one, lost one. We drew all of ours. They had a positive goal difference. Um, but they didn't. They just had a playoff. And Hungary, of course, had been very unlucky. They blew it in the previous World Cup final. It was that great Hungarian team. But it's 1958, after the Hungarian uprising. So players like Puskas and Kashis uh, defected. So suddenly, that great Hungarian team uh, didn't really have many of the great players. So many of them had left and gone to Western Europe. So... Yeah, we got lucky in that as well, and that we beat them in the playoff. And then we look ran out because Pele scores the goal that knocks us out in the quarterfinals. Seventeen-year-old Pele, and he completely missed it, didn't he? And it was a fluke, but it went in. So, yeah, we've got we've got history with weird ways of getting through the World Cup. Uh, I'd like to think we'll do it a bit more comfortably this time, to be honest. And now, that's the end of Uncle Griff's bedtime story. Uncle Griff's Bedtime Stories. Well, good luck to Wales, I think, uh, on Sunday. As we're recording this, the Ukraine are currently uh, 1-0 up, so that could all change by the time that we, you're listening to this on Friday, but uh, it, it's uh, going to be a very, very interesting game. Uh, I'm really excited for it, and I'm also kind of excited for the football season to end and, and to get to the transfer speculation season, so... Thanks for a, a riveting show, as always, guys. Uh, any final words from anybody? Yeah. Um, last thing I said before we started recording was don't make reference to the Ukraine-Scotland game because people think we're talking on Friday. <laughs> a certain host started off by saying, oh, yeah, well, the Wales game's just finished. <laughs> and now you've given us a score update. This is unbelievable. Do, this cannot start. This, I'm, do you I'm, know what? I'm reporting Mark, I am of the longs. <laughs> like Deadpool, I am a big fan of breaking the fourth wall. So uh, I blame our benevolent owners for instilling this this behind the curtain aspect of, of my uh, hosting style. Careful now. Oh. This sort of thing. <laughs> I, mi- I missed it. Missed it. I wasn't quite oh, quick off the draw. Neil was on it. Neil was on it. <laughs> maybe i should hook up the gas with the electricity and the electricity with the gas but that's a that's another story for another day uh thank you very much both and uh this is oh no i've got to do the thing that che always does check the twitter check the tiktok check the youtube 
subscribe to everything. Make sure you're following for all the, the good Wrexham content. There's going to be loads of stuff coming over the summer, I'm absolutely sure. And uh, see you guys later. This has been Dragonheart. Check the back door if you're one of those blokes who kicked Rob Lainton. <laughs> Mark is coming for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>